Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. 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 <gasps> I've got to say, I'm oh. feeling a mixture of kind of nerves, excitement, oh. um, trepidation. Mm. And I do feel like there's a little bit of sick in my throat right now. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Oh, so let's oh. explain why Anna and I have got a little bit of nervous energy this week. Oh, tons. So it has been two pleasurable years of recording with you yeah oh my gracious so we are celebrating our two-year anniversary of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass yeah da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> two years say, is like longer than a lot of relationships that well, I've had yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and we've survived and supported each other through that oh process. my gosh <laughs> through a pandemic I know and like global Mo- war multiple lockdowns yeah lots of tragedy inflation yeah yeah tragedy rises yeah you name oh, it gosh I feel like we've gone through it we've gone through it yeah wow two years yeah, yeah. that's wild but two years we're still smiling we're still showing up oh hell yeah although a lot more nervous this week <gasps> and why are we nervous <laughs> So we have a special episode to celebrate our joyous two-year anniversary. So this week, there's going to be no relationship news. There's going to be no hot topic. No. And there's going to be no question. No. So what is there going to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are, so we are we, sticking a high bar for ourselves this week. We are, I think. we are. Yep. Um, so Anna and I have been talking quite a long time about um, a particular topic that we kind of don't have the same views around uh-huh. and um so we thought it'd be a great idea to do a bit of a kind of coach death match as we <laughs> battle out with our views on this particular subject yes we've always wanted to have a death match yes and take the gloves out it's been brewing a little bit and kind of i think two years in you know we kind of trust each other now i think yeah. there's um we're able to show our vulnerable sides yeah um, and we're able to put our points of view out there. It's a bit yeah. like a real relationship. Oh my gosh, totally. <laughs> I feel ready to get vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, you've got it. So the subject of the death match is, what is the issue? Intimacy or sex? Oh my gosh. All right. So All I'm right. ready because... Um, oh. I feel like the nervous energy is just kind of ready to pump and and go for it. So where should we start? We're pumping and ready to go. We are. Um, Okay, so what's your opening position statement? Let's let's round one, (laughs) scene one. (laughs) Sarah. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, all right. So I'm coming straight out of the gate then. So for me, I think when we think about intimacy and sex, the two can exist independently. So you don't need both things to, to be there and to be present in a relationship yeah. so you can have intimacy without sex you can have sex without intimacy yeah however there's a lot of research out there if you look at it around the relationship between intimacy and sex mm-hmm. and also there's a lot of studies around the longevity of um, relationships and 
and how kind of bonds are formed and and how that then ultimately will lead to better sex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my standpoint is that you need intimacy in order to be able to have great sex. Now, I'm not saying you can't have one without the other because you absolutely can. Yeah. Like, you know, have one night stand, like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, whatever. Yeah. Um, but even in those situations, we can still get ourselves caught up in some kind of tricky emotional situations mm-hmm. that then have an impact on us either kind of after the effect or on future sexual encounters. And that's why I feel like they're so intrinsically linked mm. that the issue for me absolutely is about intimacy. Ah. And there's lots that kind of plays into that. Yeah. So keep going and tell us about like a typical coaching scenario. Let's just say the sex has died out, is less frequent. So how would you, with that sort of frame of mind, how would you approach the couple who's experiencing dry spells in their sex life? So I'd start to look at exactly what is happening in that that kind of moment when you start to either one couple initiate sex and then gets rejected as they would see it often kind of people see it as a form of rejection mm-hmm. whereas the other partner isn't necessarily thinking of it as a form of rejection mm. so there even even in that kind of particular you know part of the scenario there you've already got a difference of of assumptions of feelings of kind of stories that are going on mm. inside the mind so so I think it's really important to get below that to understand exactly what's happening at that point of initiation who's initiating it who who isn't interested um how long has it been going on what sort of things are coming up but for me there's a lot of stuff there around the thoughts what are the thoughts immediately before what are the thoughts during and then if we back up a bit we can start to kind of um unwind all of that to get to some of the source roots of the the problem Mm. because I don't think it's sex ah okay there was a so there was a study recently that talked about um couples that share chores have a better sex life and not only do they share chores but they share them fairly so it's not about saying Mm. I'll get all the crap jobs and uh, you get to do all the easy ones Mm. it's about both couples actually felt like there was a fair even divide over the chores and they had much better sex life Mm. okay because part of that is around we're supporting each other in a relationship we um we trust each other to deal with each other in a kind of fair and true way Mm -hmm. and therefore I'm I'm quite happy to connect with you on a different level I feel emotionally supported by you and therefore I'm more than happy to kind of let go and release in the bedroom Mm. okay or any other room right (laughs) yeah yeah okay um yeah and especially too with like default parenting with disproportionate inequity in Mm. if folks have kids raising their kids the housework just other duties there's just so that is true like anything that breaks down intimacy we are definitely seeing is in discordant desire in different in in mismatched libidos there's somebody who seems to have a higher libido there Mm. seems to somebody to have a lower libido and oftentimes for the person who isn't as interested in sex these sorts of things come out yes I don't trust you. I don't feel like we have equal division of labor. I don't feel cared for. I don't feel respected. And therefore, I'm not interested in having sex. Yeah. Sure. So I can't put one before the other. I have to feel like these other areas are dealt with before I can move on to that stage, before I can commit to you Uh, in a sexual way. I feel like these other things need to be resolved first is often the views that come out. Yeah. So tell me where you stand then, because... 
Well, of I want to take launch right from this point is because <laughs> in our coaching, this is exactly what starts to come up is I need for there to be work on this intimacy part, division of chores, division of labor for mm-hmm. me to even start to think about connecting with you sexually. So here's where I want to present a different view because that sets up goalposts, which means that if the dishwasher is loaded a certain amount of days a week, if you help with bedtime a certain amount of days a month, that maybe down the road in a few months time, enough equity would have been built up in the bank and I can start to have sex with you or even entertain that. Now, the problem that I see is there are a population of folks for whom they need to have sex to develop intimacy. And that's my sort of starting out of the gate, which is I, I think that there it's probably a minority, but it's probably a minority and it might be biased towards men in heterosexual relationships. But there are people who, for whom when the goalposts start to get set up, like, look, I need you to help out around the house. I need to have like more respect. I need you to um, fulfill non-sexual forms of touch, care for me, romantic gestures, words of affirmation, you know, the love languages. Mm-hmm. Only when those cups start to be filled can I start to even think about being sexually attracted. It sets up goalposts, which are like months, if not a couple of years down the road. And I find that for people for whom they, they have no gas in the tank to connect intimately because they're not connecting sexually. But that makes it sounds like like it's really kind of a calculated thing. And I don't know that it is. So I don't know when we stand back and we analyze things and we say, actually, when we do all these studies and we look at the research and we can say these are the factors these are the things that are contributing to poor um you know poor sex lives or um you know a, a lack of frequency whatever it is so we can see that and we can see that that's how it's transpiring I don't believe that on a day-to-day basis it is as calculated as that I think a lot of this is happening in the subconscious yeah we're not even aware of it so I don't think that it is as kind of calculated as right okay I've got my kind of I've got my score sheet and here you go these are the kind of five criteria that you've got to do and you've got to do these every week for you know one and a half years before we'll get into bed I don't think it's that clear cut it's not but the goalposts start shifting and I've I've seen it I've seen where one partner starts to try to do the stuff and there is no movement on the side of increased sexual intimacy I totally agree with you is the fact that it is subconscious means that In this typical arrangement, there is one person who needs to start doing some work, increasing the non-sexual forms of connection. The other person is the recipient of of observing behavior change. But um, what I would argue is that what starts to need to come into the mix is increasing, and however you define sex, however in your couple that you sort of define sex, we Mm -hmm. have to start bringing sex back online even before, like, both people need to be sort of hefting weight. Both people need to be seeing action and movement from the other side, which may require sex to start to come back online sooner than what might feel organically natural. Otherwise, one person is just tasked with increasing the non-sexual intimacy. The other person's just kind of waiting for some magical day that they feel like it. And then the other person who needs sex to connect gets tired, burned out, says it's worthless. I why am I even doing this? Because I won't get anything out of this, and that's where the stalemate happens. Mm. The sex is so important to bring online, 
uh, you know, as I work with two people, is like, what can each of you guys be doing to start to sort of come to the center where your partner needs that input from you to be able to show up? Uh, you know, you decide to show up in a more powerful way and you want to see that your partner is also creating some action as well and, and creating hope essentially mm. is what I realize is that in this scenario, we need to create hope, which means that we both need to see some movement. And there is a subpopulation of people for whom they need sex to be able to have the energy to, to connect in these non-sexual ways for your humble submission. <laughs> That's the death match coming out. I, I have had a client say, I need sex to be able to feel more connected. But what's behind that though? That's where I have problems with. It, whenever anybody, and look, I'm going to come out here and say, I am on the, I need sex to commit. I'm one of that population. And I get really pissed off by a lot of books that try to pathologize me to say that I'm emotionally vacant, that I am not in touch with my emotions and therefore I place too much emphasis on sex. I stand with the others shoulder to shoulder who are like me, who are like, we're not emotionally broken people. It just, sex is really important for us to be able to connect. But I'm just curious why you need that before you can connect. What is it that stops that connection? And and that, so as somebody who's sort of living in this, um, the intimacy is super important, but there is something about sexual connection, whether it is um, hormonally, whether it is like the afterglow, like I, I'm somebody who experiences like that, that that afterglow of sex that can last two days after you've had sexual activity, right, with your partner. For me, I find that it fuels my um, inclination to do loving, happy, warm things for my partner. I, I am more likely to be able to extend myself, to be able to think about them and do acts of service that 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 speak to their love language, mm. whether it right or wrong. I, and I know I'm not alone in this. Am I emo... Uh, Every single book I've read about this, including this new book, Sex if you, When You Don't Feel Like It, always tries to say, oh, you know, you, there's some emotional vacancy. You know, there's blocks to your intimacy. Um, and I, I, I think I'm wired differently. I think folks like myself who connect through sex, I think we're wired differently. And that's, I think I'm going to stake a claim and say, I, I don't want to think of myself as broken. Uh, no, I, I want nobody's to, broken. I think... Right. You know, that's, we need to avoid kind of, um, we see this all the time, you know, people yeah. kind of saying, oh yeah, I'm broken, I need fixing, da da da, like mm -hmm. nobody is, we're, we're not really, um, and you know, we can look at some extreme cases, but let's kind of stick with the kind of, you know, the standard um, practice, none of us are broken, we're just different, and this mm -hmm. is the whole point, right, so we're talking now, at, we're coming at it from two different angles, mm. And so we're just different. I'm not broken, you're not broken. We've just got a different viewpoint. Mm -hmm. But the whole crux of this is where you've got a relationship where one person has kind of a particular viewpoint and the other one needs something different. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually even matter what the difference is. It could be anything. So it could be, you know, I like to have the lights on, the other one likes to have the lights off. It could mm -hmm. be anything. Mm -hmm. um, we happen to be talking about intimacy and emotional connection versus straightforward sex. Mm -hmm. So... The tricky thing is in that situation is you both got different needs, you both got different levels of desire. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess what would be interesting is because a lot of the stuff that you that you look at and you read in the research actually says that those who who do have that kind of stronger intimate connection 
over a long period of time are the ones that are having more frequent sex or having better sex. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about frequency. It's got to be kind of good quality as well to satisfy. And and so they're, they're doing that. And then across time, the that bond is stronger that trust is stronger which then gives them more kind of freedom and to feel more liberated when it comes to um you know to to having maybe some different suggestions when it comes to kind of Mm -hmm. those sexual desires and sexual needs Mm -hmm. so that there is such a strong link um and when you look at it over time you can see that that's where kind of those relationships that that stand the test of time and last and get better with age are the ones where they do have this strong intimate connection i i think you're right and i I think for the vast majority of cases or for the vast majority of people that is true and and that's where all of our work is focused on like if you go to any sex therapist they're always going to be talking about you know all the non-sexual stuff and working on that like almost every sex therapy engagement is going to be building intimacy but it doesn't work for everybody Hmm. there and i suppose i want to sort of draw out like a subpopulation of people for whom and that might be in reflected in the couples that eventually break up um yeah i think i've mentioned this before there's a there's a reddit forum uh, a substring there's now 370 people on the dead bedroom reddit thread which is basically <laughs> what is a dead bedroom yeah yeah, yeah right Three hundred seventy thousand people are actively engaged in a group where they are they most po- folks are consider themselves the higher libido partner and they're they're in a relationship with somebody with who has expressed that they're not interested in sex uh with any frequency or quality that um, that so they're essentially dead bedroom means that there's no sex going on in the bedroom or very little. Mm. And so, and there's desperation. There is, um, I think there's a few things like a, a lot of people will describe how they started off in the relationship where the sexual like libidos te- were quite similar. Sex was frequent. It was hot. It was great. And then six to two years later, six months to two years later, it just kind of fell off a cliff. And then they're mm. sort of at this place, those people who haven't had sex with their partner for a year for two years, for 20, for six months. Um, and they, and they, and they've been trying the whole da da da. they've gone to therapy. They're working on doing the dishes more or helping out around the house and nothing budges. And it continues. And then there are people who leave and they're like, Oh, so much better. I've now found a partner and our libidos are sort of more matched. And I, I do have a sense that there's a reductionist essentially there's a camp of people for whom they think the sex is the problem. And there's a camp of people who are like, no, the intimacy is the problem. And working on the intimacy is like the logical step. It's evidence-based. And also that's where most of us go. Um, I just find that we are lost. The There's a certain group of people who are lost in the sauce because. I'd, yeah. Hmm. I don't know that it is the, where most of us go. So I think hmm. some people will. I think the vast majority of people do not. I think that they bury their head in the sand. They don't really look at what part can I play? What part does my partner need to play? Mm -hmm. They don't join together to try and solve the problem. They just stick with this stalemate of saying, you're right, I'm wrong, and vice versa. And they're trapped. They're trapped in this situation where neither a party is ready to budge. And I think maybe sex or intimacy isn't the problem. Maybe there's more to it than that. Because Mm. if you're not willing to support each other and, and to listen and to communicate and to hear each other out and to try and find a solution, then your relationship will not stand the test of time because 
sex won't be the only issue that comes up. There'll be other things that come up. So major life decisions, um, you know, challenges that you face. And if you can't support each other in that kind of those kind of everyday moments and the bigger stuff and include it in this whole kind of discussion about, you know, sexual desire, then really what sort of a relationship do you have? Uh, to your point, I, I agree with you, is that if in these situations, what we can say is neither party is getting their needs met and they're, they often reach out to coaching or therapy far too late where really both people have hardened into a certain position and yeah. because they're so hurt and they feel so deprived of their own needs not being met, they have very little to start to open up and give and change to their partner where therapy or coaching ends up being the transition into divorce or breakup. Mm. And you're yeah. right. Sometimes it's not because the couple were, couldn't have done it. It's just that too much time has passed. There's been too much damage. It it can sometimes there's so much hurt that's built up that you can't actually reverse some of the damage. And and I see well, it. You can't even remember what you what you started with in the first place. Or mm -hmm. you can, you know, and the memory's not great, which is why kind of, you mm. know, a lot of eyewitness accounts are unreliable because we filter so much out with. By the time we've slept a few times and kind of changed the narrative a little bit because not intentionally or manipulatively, but just because that's how the brain works and it'll kind of settle on a story that becomes your story, whether it's the truth or not. Mm -hmm. So it can be very difficult the longer we leave things to be able to unpick them. Um, but generally, that's what we see, right? So people will stay in an unhappy marriage for mm -hmm. an average of six years before they then finally decide that they're getting a divorce and they haven't done any work in between that time all they've done yeah. is to say it's it's not working it's broken some of that might be because they're not having sex some of it's because of other disagreements or they can't communicate but you can guarantee that whatever else is going on in your relationship outside of the bedroom sex will be an issue that um that comes up because yeah. it's kind of like a knock-on you can't and, it, and I guess this is why I always go back to kind of the stability of the relationship and the connection being so important because without that, then you can't, you can't really move on with stuff. You can't, you're kind of mm -hmm. stuck in this, you're trapped in this situation. But that connection is the thing that will get you over most problems in your relationship and including sex. I agree. There is an instance, though, I want to <laughs> I want to play out because it's one couple that I am coaching and they're super inspiring. And there's something very quiet and subtle that I've noticed about them, which is um, there's your sort of typical they're heterosexual couple, male and female. Um, uh, she has um, she there's a lot of disrespect that she, uh, you know, the 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 male has a lot of anger outbursts and kind of a right mm. way or the wrong way kind of upbringing from his childhood. She is, she feels a lot of disrespect and that, that, um, very triggered by these feelings of, you know, not good enough and so forth that again, mm. happened a long time before they ever met each other. Yep. And so a lot of our work is, is starting to diffuse a, a, like a lot of the anger outbursts and then she gets very triggered and shut down. Uh, but the, the, the strange thing that's been happening throughout all of this is that their sex has been for the most part, still pretty regular. And the reason why is because even though she hasn't been necessarily feeling it, she knows it's his love language. And and again, we're talking about subcon we're talking about stuff that we've not even worked on. And she's actually been pitching in to sort of make sure that that sexual intimacy has continued. 
it is shocking to work with a couple. And what's happening now, he's actually shifting his behavior. He's made massive changes, massive. And she appreciates that. She sees that she's doing her own stuff. And actually now the sexual intimacy is even better. It's, it's even better. Mm. But you know what? She never, ever let, she would sometimes, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm filling in words that I haven't heard from her, but she kind of, it's, it's implied. There were times probably when she, she had sex when she didn't initially feel like it, but she sort of worked towards it, right? So that's that reactive sex that you kind of allow yourself to be in a situation where you can be turned on and you can have sex with your partner um, because she realizes it's important. And I, I'm telling you, like, there is this bond that has continued with this couple that I think has been one of the cornerstones to them being able to do this work together because they've had that connection. But is that... But is that connection not just because they're willing to support each other and to do things that they maybe don't feel like, as you say, as opposed to, um, you know, that kind of underlying, is it intimacy or is it sex? The, for me, the, the situation there is actually we see that we've got a problem. We want to work on it. So we're getting some support to do that. And we're willing to do things that maybe don't feel like doing in order to fix the problem or to not exacerbate the problem. I, there's a huge amount of buy-in with this couple, but I have seen them at polar opposites where both of them are like, nope. But the one thing that they were still, that was still online was sex. It, it, I've, I can't unsee but what I saw there. is that because they've both got the same appetite for sex? Nope. She said, I know this is important and I will not let this go. Mm. I will continue. I, I, it was a very subtle reference to this, but she's like, I know how important it is. And therefore, I, I will not so, let this fall off the table. But it was chosen to prioritize sex. I think it was actually, it's her heavy lift. I think she realized to, to bring this off. And, and what I saw is because that was, that was online, it's not the everything, but it, it, I have seen more of his buy-in than I have seen with most other men. I, I've seen him pull off some phenomenal changes. And I, I credit, in part, the fact that she she kept the lights on in terms of sex. She kept that mm. going. I think it's a few, it's one of the fuels that I've seen and it's, it's the understated fuel, but. But that I've, could be the same for anything that's important to you. So right. if you, if, if you know that something is really super important to your partner and you carry on doing it, you are going to get that kind of generally you will get, um, you'll get something back. Ah, so that makes a great, so correct. You're, you're right. Uh, you know, having said that though, when we ap approach the sex and intimacy where somebody's like, we're not having enough sex. And the other person's like, I'm not getting enough intimacy. We then tend to be like, okay, let's solitarily fix the intimacy part. And then maybe hopefully the sex will come back on online where my thesis is you have to actually bring sex online and work on the intimacy at the same time. Cause one person in that situation requires sex to build intimacy and connection hmm. we, we can't sort of just work <laughs> on one and just you know work on that I, for however much time and then wait for sex to come back online I don't think you can ever work on just one aspect of your relationship I think if you are facing challenges whether that's in or out of the bedroom hmm. you and generally kind of one will lead to the other and, and have kind of a knock-on effect yeah you have often more than one situation that you need to get to grips with and I think it requires yeah. you to look at all of that mm -hmm. it, 
you know, in a holistic way to try and then work out where are the priorities? What do we need to start to work on first? Mm. And um, and how do we bring this together and not lose sight of kind of the bigger picture and and how we're feeling and are we still progressing? Do we need to change tact? Um, so always that kind of regular check-in. Are we heading in the right direction? Mm. But in in all of that, the one thing you absolutely need is a commitment to want to make it better. Oh, yeah. Because that's the thing that oh, often yeah. we get so caught up in our own ego, in our own position and defending that position. We forget about the fact that actually we we joined this relationship for a reason. We had a connection. We um, we chose we chose each other. We chose to mm-hmm. spend time together. We chose to develop the relationship and we chose to stay in it. And when we're locked in this kind of deadlock, then all of that very often gets thrown out the window because we're going to this kind of place of ego where we've just got to demonstrate we're right. Yeah. And we're flying that kind of solo flag at that point. Yeah. Oh, so true. And and it's not like commitment with anybody else is going to be easier. No. That, right? It's it's always going to be might hard. Have, yeah, yeah. And you might have some great sex for the next six months again with your new partner. Yeah. But if you're not dealing with any yeah. of the other stuff that's contributing to that, then it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely it's like gout isn't it yeah. if you don't change your uh, if you don't change your behaviors and your you know your thought process around it then yeah. it's just gonna keep coming back once you've kind of once you've treated it oh my gosh gout heck yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally so funny i remember early those, pandemic those we were, patterns <laughs> oh totally yeah that's totally it i think where i i'm 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 venturing out on a limb here because because and 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 I know that it's sort of counterculture and counter narrative, but I I'm venturing out on a limb to say I think it's really important when you start a relationship to ask some very serious questions about intimacy because mm. I think that we are fundamentally different and and the the start of a relationship throws us off and thinks we're a lot more compatible sexually than we actually are. Mm. I have a client who has faced situation where the intimacy was not important in the relationship that he had before. And he's now valid. He's like, as one of my values in relationship, sex will always be important. I will choose a relationship for whom my partner is also interested in nurturing sexual connection as a, as a, its own, it's its own thing. Yeah. Be kind of a situation though, where you maybe sex wasn't important in previous relationships. You meet somebody else and you know, whether the connection's different, whether the sex is better, mm. it suddenly becomes more important. Ah, so sometimes we right. can ask those questions, but actually you can get kind of a reverse of your position, either kind of, you know, for sex or against sex, um, depending on kind of the relationship and changes. And I yeah. think, you know, there's also changes in life. So ages, stages, kind of all of those things that we go through that affect us and affect our kind of libido and sexual desire that could then you know, you might start off going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm totally like love sex all the time, can't get enough of it. And then maybe it is six months down the line and maybe you go, do you know what? I, I actually prefer a cuddle. Like, um, I'm just not as interested. And so these things can change. I think whilst it is important to have conversations about everything up front yeah. um, and to get as much information as you can, I don't know that you can always rely on it. <laughs> You're so right. And and it's super reductionist, and it is true that like the high libido identifying person in one relationship might enter a new relationship, and you see this on the dead. You can 
tell I spent a lot of time here <laughs> on the dead bedroom Reddit, which is where people are like, you know, I used to be high libido and now I find myself to be low libido in this relationship. Yeah. And ob- yeah. yeah, you know, menopause, um, illness, yeah. going through chemotherapy or radiation, erectile dysfunction, heart disease, yeah. loss of, you know, caregiver stress, so many things that kind of influence but I do think yeah. the whole situation is, is complex. So it's not just around kind of illnesses. It's around, you know, the way that sexual desire is, is built up is, 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 you know, multiple things that go into that. And, mm-hmm. and then that's what makes it so difficult, right? And that's what makes a lot of the studies difficult. It's what makes it really hard for us to solve this, um, what seems like an eternal problem. I do wonder if anybody's having sex. <laughs> well, perhaps the ones that are having sex just aren't talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they're like, I'm okay. I don't need to go on a forum to say how great my sex life is. <laughs> and that's exactly it. You're totally um, right. So yeah. it does paint a kind of picture that everybody's having problems in the bedroom. Right. I'm not sure it is, but yeah. There was um, some of the research kind of suggests that kind of 50% people are generally bored in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, however almost all of them were interested in trying something different or Mm. doing kind of you know something to make it better yeah so that would suggest that there is a desire there and maybe there's just a lack of know-how or um you know a lack of confidence maybe to explore things um and then and you know I would say it's not always inside the bedroom it's outside of the bedroom as well right um so you know I think that there's a lot that kind of contributes t- towards it I guess what I would say though what that then says to me is if you're struggling with this chances are your partner is too and chances are they want to do something about it but don't want to raise it mm-hmm. and so maybe that is then a kind of you know the point that says actually I was listening to this thing the other day and this is what they said um like what are your thoughts and you can kind of you know really try and kind of broach that subject in a kind of you know a slightly kind of fun non-committal way just to see how the conversation goes and then if you feel safe enough you can carry it on very good yeah and then maybe end up in the bedroom (laughs) (laughs) it's or the living room or whatever room you fancy (laughs) or you know like the beach although just bring a blanket because sand and genitals is never fun (laughs) i'm also sure that it's not legal to have sex outdoors so i don't think we can do that i don't think it is legal (laughs) you can't do that then (laughs) but there's sort of like big c crimes and small c crimes (laughs) and i'm like with some sauce yeah exactly (laughs) you know i think that there are a fair number of people and i i'm coaching them there are a fair number of people for whom we do some coaching work and therapy and we realize that we're not that intimacy and striving for intimate connection is actually its own separate value a a sexual connection It, it is um some folks really see it as an odyssey that they're going to continue to grow and and develop. And, and, and and if you're one of those people, and of course you can sort of create the work and so forth with your own partner, but I, I do see some people shifting out of those relationships and looking for new relationships where there's more of a shared value around sex. You know, I know it's not totally the popular, um, standpoint but I I think for some people it's going to serve them even if you can't control all the various factors that lead to Mm. frequent sex and good sex there can be all sorts of things but even just starting off or even in your current relationship getting a sense of is this an important thing to strive for and my belief is that not everybody is aligned there's a lot of misalignment around how important it is 
to to strive for healthy connection and sex and, and if and it's important to you yeah, yeah and we're always in choice in relationships so yeah you know that's that's the beauty of it we are you know we're, we're in charge of, of the relationship that we want to have but I think it's about making some decisions out of um consciousness out of mm. with honesty for ourselves and who we are rather than and also we've got to really understand have we taken full accountability for ourselves have we done everything we can do in our power before we move on um because if we haven't then there is then that chance that actually I'm just taking my same problems somewhere else yeah true but you are always True. in choice, right? Like if you decide this relationship is not for me, it's not going to work and sex is, you know, a deal breaker, then um, you're always in choice there. Yeah. But make yeah. make those decisions wisely, I would say. Well, and here's something super interesting. There are some people that I coach. And again, just like you say, sometimes it takes six years of unhappiness divorce to divorce somebody. They'll mm. probably hire you and me at, at year 5.5. Yeah. We often meet people at the well, dying embers. Before, uh... <laughs> yep. So part of my job, and again, so the couple's in choice and I start to illuminate the choice. Like, is there still commitment or mm. is this dead in the water and if it's dead yeah. in the water we can learn as much as we can about ourselves through this experience this is mm. maybe the starter marriage and then we can go out the other side and plan to have a healthy single sort of period where we get to know ourselves a bit better and maybe the lessons we're learning now is in service of our future relationship mm. and that ain't a bad thing yeah. but it we often see it yeah. just because it's so taboo to bring people like us on your team at an earlier stage where we could have actually reversed some of the behaviors. Yeah. yeah. And it's neither a good thing or a bad thing. It just is what it is. It's that's part of the process, right? That's part of your journey. That's, you know, it's your story. It's your life. It's, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. They say, you know, everything happens for a reason at the time that it's meant to happen. Um, so we can't kind of look cause often you'll get a situation where people will look back and go, I, I wish I'd done some, you know, I wish I'd done something sooner, I wish I'd engaged sooner. And that really doesn't kind of help the situation. You've got to trust that that was your, that was what was meant for you. That was your path. Absolutely. And there's a reason for that, that will become clearer further down the lane. We just don't know what it is yet. Yeah, you've got <laughs> So instead, it. you'll yeah. sit there kind of blaming yourself and going, I should have done this, I should have done that, and all the negative self-talk. And yeah. all we do is just be a real bitch to ourselves. <laughs> You've got it. We're, the life life is hard enough. The world is hard yeah, enough. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Let the haters hate. Don't let you hate yourself. <laughs> oh, you've got it. You've got it. Yeah. No, there are people who will sort of kind of be, you know, flogging themselves. And, and I know for sure every single people, every single person that I meet are just doing the best with what they had at the time. Hindsight mm -hmm. is always going to be very clear. It's, you know, if you're, if you're looking back at your life, it'll seem quite obvious. It was not obvious at the time you were doing the yeah. best you could. And it might've seemed like an easy lesson that you didn't need to learn again, but you know what? You had to learn it. Like, yeah, yeah there was, you walked into something saying, yeah, <laughs> this does feel like kind of a bad idea, but you know what? You had to touch the stove. And I honor that with people who, you know, or shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know what? You couldn't, yeah. you did, you yeah. were doing the best that yeah. you could exactly but now exactly. we get to make some different choices yeah totally 
So a provoking question, what is, and I can sort of start first here, what is one part of the 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 face-off that I see with a bit more clarity now because of your convincing debating prowess? And I can start first. Go on then. <laughs> so something that you said that really struck with me is that like, you know, let's say you have an issue, whether it's the sex or the intimacy, is that, and you're assuming that your partner doesn't find it important, you haven't communicated it, but just assume that your partner also is concerned mm. about the a problem too. You might not be communicating it, but they're also kind of suffering this. They don't know what to do. You're both on the same side of the problem. Yeah. And that I, I take away because it's so easy to say sex or intimacy, it's one or the other, and I'm going to stay on my yeah. camp and you stay at your camp. But really, like, we're on the same side of the issue. So that really stuck yeah. with me. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for me is actually it doesn't matter whether it's sex or, or intimacy. It doesn't matter. You've got a problem in your relationship. So that's the thing is if we move away from that and step back from because this is the problem when we get kind of when we get stuck in our own corners mm. we are not seeing things objectively we can't take that helicopter view because we're too busy kind of you know fighting our own corner and defending our own mm. position mm -hmm. about the situation but if we if we step back from that and say actually what do we want to happen here mm -hmm. you know what outcome are we really kind of hoping for and and is that outcome completely yeah. different yeah. on both sides? Or actually, you know, it's unlikely that it's going to be kind of 100%. I agree with you in terms of the outcome. There'll be some kind of variation normally. Mm -hmm. And if we can get to that, then actually anything's possible mm -hmm. to find a solution. Mm -hmm. And it wow. doesn't matter then whether it's sex or intimacy. Very well said. <laughs> well played, Sarah. Well played. <laughs> So are you saying that there's no winner from our uh, gloves off relationship coach face off? Are you saying we're both winners? <laughs> <laughs> See, there's that. Um, so my other half said to me, um, he said, what, what are you doing tomorrow then? And I said, um, I've got to do some preparation for the podcast. Like two years, not really ever prepared. <laughs> I said, but me and Anna have got this kind yeah. of uh, coach death match going on. Yeah. And he was like, oh, right. Okay. And you're not competitive at all, are you? <laughs> it's like I'm not competitive oh. I'm a little bit competitive maybe <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um, so but it was, I, I actually I did find it fascinating doing the research and having a look at kind of just some of the different studies out there that have been done and and maybe kind of just where some of the viewpoints come from I think it's always healthy to be presented with a different viewpoint and consider it and consider kind of what would that mean yeah. for you um I guess my underlying thing is that the relationship and supporting each other and committing to it actually is the most important thing. Everything else will come out the back of that. And it might not come straight away. It might be, you know, you might have sexual problems for kind of six months, 12 months, however long. But if there's still that willingness, that desire to overcome things, then you will in your relationship. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, we did it. We did do it. Yeah. I don't feel as bad now. <laughs> yeah, right? That wasn't as scary. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Any other reflections as we cross two years? What do you think the three year, what What do you think three years will? I'm just, I'm like super proud that we've done it. Yeah. And um, that we've stuck yeah. with it. I think it hasn't really been 
other than feeling mildly stressed about today yeah I think it's been kind of a blast it's been yeah. it hasn't been a chore to do um no. Maybe more of a chore for you because you, um, bless you, do all of our lovely editing. Um, And and you find all the words for our show notes, which is like (laughs) makes them punchy and sexy. Uh, So, but I think that we've made a really good team, actually. And I think that we are good at kind of presenting some different viewpoints. And and so I think that makes for kind of refreshing listening. I sadly enjoy listening to the podcast every week when I do the run through I'm like oh yeah I enjoyed that this week (laughs) and it kind of reminds me of things that because we record like slightly out of we're not kind of week for week we're kind of slightly ahead of of when things get published not too far because we want to kind of stay current and things but you kind of you've forgotten what you've recorded so when you go back and listen to it then that's kind of quite nice you get kind of that refresh of of some of the things that you've discussed so yeah. I I'm really proud of us that we have shown up every single week and uh and continue to discuss some topics that you know aren't always being discussed out there no we don't get training in this we don't get relationship yeah. school yeah. and so I feel like there's no dearth of of stuff that we can talk about like it you know yeah I don't know if at any point in time we were like, oh, are we going to get, you know, are we going to run out of things to talk about? Like, <laughs> no. And I do remember, though, that was one of the fears at the beginning was like, what happens when we run out of stuff? Yeah. But hasn't happened. Won't happen. Happened. Like, yeah, it's exactly. just, it's shocking how we, one of the most important parts of our life is our intimate relationship. And yet mm. we never got formally trained. Yeah. Uh, we're listening. It's like, all of our cars are without a driver. Like nobody knows what they're doing. Our our coaches are like Instagram, like celebrities. Mm. Like we are so totally screwed or set up for failure mm. that this kind of like truth talk and like our perspective that we get from coaching real life clients, like this yeah. is really important. Yeah, it it's is. the stuff. It it's kind of like the podcast I wish I had to listen to. Like oh. Yeah, too right. <laughs> like oh. twenty odd years ago, when I was fucking Hello. Like, up and carrying on doing that for the oh next. Oh my day. god! Yeah, however many years. Oh my god! And, and still right. today, I have to say, I still. Oh, it's um, still today. Yeah. Still today, stumbling, less, falling. Less so. I kind of feel like I'm progressing. <laughs> yeah, right. At least, at least you think you are. I am. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Sometimes it's just about keeping the lights on. <laughs> oh man. Well, <laughs> thank you for being a fabulous podcast podcast co-host. <laughs> I'm a bit excited now. Well, you know, uh, it, it isn't yet. Well, it's just crossed 1 p.m. And uh, is it too early to start drinking? It probably is. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I think it calls for a celebration. Oh, Two I years. So. We, yeah, we Prosecco. deserve a celebration. You've In fact, we should have had some fears to celebrate the moment. Actually, that is so true. Okay, a virtual cheers. A virtual cheers. Cheers. Cheers, cheers with my um, Oh, water. cheers with our water, <laughs> which we drink because we're good podcast, podcast people. <laughs> Staying hydrated. Vocal cords. May we have another fabulous year ahead. Saucy. Yeah. Sassy. Yeah. Jordy Lass and Doc Sass. Yeah. Thanks for everybody who's been on the ride. And please, like, you know, keep listening. Yeah, for keep this listening, to whomever. Share with others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anybody who could benefit, and that's pretty much like 100% of the population. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, no, it is. It's great that people carry on listening and support us. Um, carry on writing in with any hot topics, questions, 
Yeah. News items that yeah. helps me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Relationship desk of love keeps yeah. churning every week. Yeah. It does. It does. You know the weird thing, right? So isn't this typical? I must have found about five different relationship news things that I could have talked about this week. <gasps> I'm like, oh. that's typical when we are not doing a relationship love desk. So you're just hit being hit in the face with a bunch of like juicy news. Yeah, I was. Oh. I was like, damn you. <laughs> next week i'll be like oh where's all the news gone <laughs> there's been nothing happening at the desk that's so funny exactly, murphy's exactly. law yeah it is it is oh man awesome <laughs> oh well it's been fun as ever and um it yeah it we has. will Thank look you. forward to the next 12 months ahead you've got it <laughs> all righty till next time till next time so that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.